Hey, do you need a UK representative, a Swiss representative or a European authorized representative for your medical device industry? Okay, so you can contact now Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com Info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com And we'll help you for that, so talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we want to talk about a specific MDCG guidance. So usually when we are looking for an MDCG guidance, we are expecting some explanation and clarification. And we find one that raises more questions than answers. And I have with me Eric Volbrecht uh, from Axon Lawyers, who will help us to understand more about uh, this guidance. And he especially uh, wrote a blog post, and it's why it's, it's really an interesting discussion that we'll have today. He wrote a blog, po blog post about that and with all the issues that he has identified there. So Eric, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thanks, uh, Monir. And uh, Happy New Year, by the way. Also, Happy New Year to all your uh, viewers and uh, listeners. Let's, yeah. uh, let's hope uh, it's going to be a good one, uh, not with a total disaster in the grace period for, uh, for medical devices under the MDR. And IVDR. <laughs> and IVDR, yeah. Well, at least we have the proposal uh, for the uh, IVDR now. So let's... Well, let's see. <laughs> exactly. So um, we should talk about that too, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and this guidance that we will talk about mainly is uh, for MDR and IVDR for it for article uh, for important distributor. And it's the guidance MDCG 2021-27. And mm -hmm. um, I read your blog post, and as usual, it's like it was like a, a good discussion that you had there. Uh, great information. And uh, but before maybe we dive into that, so mainly I just want to get maybe or for the people to have a clarification of uh, what is this MDCG guidance, so 2021-27 on Article 13 and 14 of the regulation. So what is it and what it talks about? Well, it's I think uh, it's something that would be very useful. Uh, normally, because it answers questions about uh, uh, about when an entity or a person is an importer or a distributor under the MDR. And I think it's a very good thing that the MDCG wants to provide more guidance on this, because I can say from my own legal practice that uh, whenever I'm dealing with independent distributors of medical devices, for example, I see a huge lack of knowledge about their obligations under the MDR. Basically, they've been doing sort of the la, 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 MDR doesn't exist. Okay. Or they go like a MDR question mark. So I think there's a lot, yeah, there's a big knowledge gap that, uh, that I think needed to be filled. Uh, and what is obvious is that the MDR has collected a number of uh, questions that it that has been uh, that it has been seeing in the market, uh, probably questions that were posed to the competent authorities, questions that came in through stakeholders like uh, Medtech Europe and other stakeholders. So 
I think they, yeah, if you see plants sideways, by the way, I've got the, uh, I've got the uh, guidance on my other screen. So it's uh, okay. So that I'm uh, watching, uh, watching uh, YouTube at the same time, <laughs> but um, yeah, so they, 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 they took a couple of uh, uh, quite a lot of questions actually that I think, um, well, were answered. Um, some of them I think were, yeah, to me, quite evident that they turned out, uh, they were also easy to answer. I think that's sometimes also a bit of an NDCG thing that they also choose to answer easy questions because it makes it easy for them because then they can just repeat the law back at you, which I think is not always the best way to provide guidance, but okay. And then in this case, what also happened was when I read this guidance, because I do a lot of work in economic operators, I was like, huh? This is weird. So I had, I had, yeah, I had two points basically. That's also what I wrote a blog about, in which I produced this uh, this this long rant about uh, that I didn't like the uh, <laughs> this guidance document very much because it was so confusing. So yeah, uh, so we had we had the so the two points are mainly, and we'll discuss really many on those two points. Uh, we mm -hmm. had the notion of the of placing on the market. Uh, we discussed yeah. that already on some other episodes, but I think it's a good reminder also of, uh, of that. And apparently it raises more questions with this MDCG guidance. And we had the other question or other point, which is the importer relabeling, because mainly uh, there is also some question about if there is already uh, on, on the label uh, the importer name, an importer name when you are the importer normally of this device. So what should you do in this case? Um, so uh, these mainly are the two points that we discuss. Uh, just one thing. So um, when we discuss about that, there is, and people that will be reading this, uh, your blog post, will see also a lot of time the mention of the blue guide. And this yeah. is something that is really important. And I think it can be also the occasion today to just explain again, what is the blue guide? Uh, mm -hmm. Because this is something that is really important and clarifies a lot of things. And yeah, this is also something that you are mentioning a lot that read the blue guide. If you don't know, look at the blue guide. I mean, I saw this sentence many times on your blog post. So I think it's and an important thing. So let's maybe clarify. And regulatory people, if you only read the blue guide, that's also a good argument. Yeah, the blue guide is basically, um, I would say, it's the it's the most comprehensive and authoritative piece of horizontal guidance that you can get for at the moment for the new legislative framework, as it's called. The new legislative framework is uh, is basically, if well, roughly roughly translated, in the uh, in the EU. We uh, regulate goods by means of CE marking regulation. Basically, you could say, actually, there's different regulatory approaches. Eh? Because if we look at medicines, for example, medicines are also products. Medicines are not regulated under the new legislative framework because medicines are regulated by under an individual specific uh, licensing scheme under, uh, under Directive 20,183. But for uh, the so-called industrial products, the EU has taken uh, uh, a choice to say, we are going to use a uniform regulatory philosophy for that based on CE marking. And you can say that the uh, collection of all these uh, uh, regulations and directives together, that presents the new legislative framework. 
it's not actually completely new in the sense that we had the um, uh, we already had the e-marketing legislation before, which was first called the new approach. The new approach was actually a tool to make sure that the EU could produce enough standardized product regulation to complete the internal market before the 1992 deadline. That's basically why this was invented. Then in 2008, we have regulation uh, 765-2008, in which um, these, this regulatory template for CE marking was revised and actually in which the uh, uh, already the whole supply chain controls with economic operators, as we have seen in the MDR and the IVDR since 2017, were already established back then. So this exactly. is always interesting when people say, oh, yes, economic operators, totally new. No, it's totally old. It, it, it literally existed for, for a decade already when it finally came to the, uh, to the MDR and the IVDR. Now, why is it called a new legislative framework? Because they added economic operators, they added more things in market surveillance. And that was basically this way we had state-of-the-art CE legislation template. Now, this whole template of CE legislation, this is comprehensively discussed in the blue guide. So the blue guide discusses, uh, of course, I always have a blue guide ready. Yeah. So on my uh, second screen here. The blue guide basically discusses every aspect of this legislation. So um, what's the historical perspective? What I've just been uh, speaking about, where does it apply? For example, what is the union with capital U? Because if you look in the, and that's important in relation to placing on the market that we'll discuss in a minute, is that the, uh, this is something I keep correcting people on also because I'm slightly autistic in that aspect, but uh, um, the new guide explains the geographic scope of the application of uh, new legislative framework regulation is the union with a capital U. If you look in the MDR and the IVDR, nowhere does it say I apply in the European Union, it says I apply in the union. The blue guide explains that the union for the purposes of a particular new legislative framework regulation or directive is basically all the EU member states, the EEA member states, so the European Economic Area member states. So that is uh, uh, the EEA covers all of the EU member states and a number of additional EFTA states that opted into closer harmonization with the EU. So it's Norway, Iceland, and Liechtenstein. Yeah. Um, the glorious nation of uh, Liechtenstein, who doesn't know it? And these three countries are also part of the union. And then, that's also explained in the blue guide, there are the countries that have a mutual recognition agreement of sorts with the European Union that also ropes them into the Union, as it were. So in the blue guys, they still give the example of Switzerland yeah. for the mutual recognition agreement, which for medical devices for the MDD and the AIMDD expired yeah. last year when they didn't renew it for the, uh, for, the MD, uh, for the MDR. And it refers to Turkey because Turkey has the 1963 association agreement 
which in the end in 2006 was upgraded to allow Turkey basically also a mutual recognition add-on. And what we saw, which was very exciting around the date of application of the NDR, then Turkey in the end managed to fix uh, the, uh, the, data, uh, the data protection issues, or rather we should say Turkey was in the waiting for a long time for the EU to accept that Turkey would not mess up the data protection requirements to have access to Udemet, and then they could still be part of the union for the purposes of the NDR and later on for the IPR. So that's geographic scope. Uh, the blue guide explains the, uh, the whole economic operator system. Uh, it also, but also it does a lot more because it also explains how conformity assessment works. It explains the conformity assessment modules that you have. So full quality assurance, NX9 NDR, NX9 IVDR, but also production quality assistance, uh, sorry, uh, assurance, NX10. So all of these systems are explained in the blue guide. It explains uh, market surveillance. Uh, it, explains, explains it explains, but it, it, it's, also, it's also providing a lot of examples. It's providing really some oh, yeah. cases, it provided yeah. some situation, etc. I know that uh, when I was uh, trying to learn uh, this uh, the concept of placing on the market or uh, making available, etc., they place a lot of information also about if you are buying from outside of Europe, but from internet, here is mm -hmm. the case, etc. So they are talking a lot of, they are providing a lot of additional information. And as you've said, it's not only medical devices or, or CE marking for, for this kind of thing. But mm -hmm. one, thing, one thing I wanted to ask on the Blue Guide is that I'm sure that a lot of people will look at that. Uh, one thing that we have seen on the Blue Guide is that it's not, it's talking about also the legislation that are, should be related to the Blue Guide. And yep. we have the MDD 9342EC, we have the IVDD. Uh, I don't see the MDR. So uh, is this something that we suppose that will be also updated in the near future? Uh, yes, definitely, because the, the current version of the Blue Guide dates back from 2016. So that's that's before the entry into force of the MDR and the IVDR. So obviously those uh, regulations couldn't be mentioned yet in it. And um, what I know is that the Blue Guide is currently under revisions. There also have been, uh, there has been consultation also um, on uh, the revised version of the Blue Guide. And basically the revisions that you can expect to the Blue Guide are mainly related to, uh, to e-commerce, for example. Okay. Because uh, basically a good measure of the kind of update you could expect from the Blue Guide is that in 2019, we had the adoption of the market surveillance regulation. And the market surveillance regulation, that's regulation 1020-2019, uh, became applicable uh, 16 July last year. This regulation replaces the old new legislative framework regulation, regulation 765-2008, with new market surveillance and also some tweaks to the economic operator uh, system. Like, for example, the, uh, the, the market surveillance regulation says that if you are drop shipping products into the union uh, and uh, you can't really point out a specific importer because there's only a fulfillment services provider, for example, that 
is, yeah, has a warehouse and delivers to uh, parties in the uh, union, then as a manufacturer, you have the obligation to find somebody in the supply chain, for example, maybe your authorized representative that yeah. will carry the flag for imported duties. Okay. Now that's really interesting, but the only problem is that this obligation does not apply to medical devices or IVDs because Article 4, in which it says that exempts medical devices from that because it says in Article 4, Section 5, this only applies for, then they mention low voltage, EMC, and a bunch of other directives like that, but not the NDR and the IVDR. So this is this is this is this is interesting, but this is this is the kind of stuff you could expect amended in the blue guide. So okay. a clarification of three uh, PLs, for example, what role they play. That's touched upon very briefly in the current blue guide, but that will be updated uh, later. Okay. Um, I would so hope that they already uh, would have established a new version, but I'm hoping for it uh, this year. Okay, so um, if we come back now to the MDCG guidance, um, mm -hmm. so the first surprise that you find was on the placing on the market, and there was a specific wording that uh, was maybe creating all this situation. Um, can we confirm again or explain again, just maybe for the audience, what means placing on the market on few words? Yeah, well, we know what placing on the market means because there's a, there's, there's a hardwired definition in the, uh, uh, in the MDR. And placing on the market is the first making available of a device in the union. That is basically uh, placing on the market. Um, uh, so so who, who, can make, who can do that? Who, who are the persons or the entities that can do that? That can only be an importer or a manufacturer, because if the manufacturer is uh, located in the union, they may they place the product on the market. If the manufacturer is established outside of the union, then it is the importer uh, that makes that does the first uh, placing uh, placing on the market. If the device comes from outside of the union. So, That's an important uh, one. Yeah. So, so the surprise or the wording that you find can maybe change this definition or this, this aspect that we just talked about. Yeah, because, uh, of course, if you start doing more close reading, of course, yeah, you are wondering. Uh, and you see in the MDR, basically, there's a layered definition of what placing on the market is. Because in Article 228, it says placing on the market is the first making available of a device other than a uh, than an investigational device on the union market. So then you don't know very much except that's first making available. Yeah. So then you have to wonder what is making available. That's also um, that's also defined in uh, the MDR because that means any supply of a device other than an investigational device for distribution, consumption, or use on the union market in the course of a commercial activity whether in return for payment or free of charge. So basically it is, it's basically these are terms that describe devices moving down the supply chain yeah. with placing on the market being the first step into the EU, uh, sorry, the union. See, I'm making the same mistake. It's very confusing. And then making available is every subsequent step. 
making available is what distributors do. Placing on the market is what either the manufacturer or the importer does. Now, then of course you are wondering, yeah, making available any supply. Yeah, what is any supply then? And this is described in quite a lot of detail in the blue guide because it has a section on what is placing on the market and a section on what is making available. Making available is a defined concept that is nested in the definition of placing on the market. So that means that making available must be interpreted in the same way, whether seen separately because it relates to a distributor as seen in placing on the market by an importer. And I think this is where the guidance does something weird. Okay. Because the guidance says, if we are looking at placing on the market, then you need, uh, then uh, uh, placing on the market, the guidance says takes place if a legal entity established in the union obtains via transfer of ownership, possession, or any other property right, a device from an economic operator established in a third uh, country and places an individual device on the union market. Then you are an importer because you're placing on the market. I have a problem with the way they described placing on the market. I think it's because the word property that is really uh, focusing all the all the issues here. Exactly, yeah, because they say via transfer of ownership, possession, or any other property right. Now, if you look in the blue guides, where um, making available is described, they don't require the transfer of a property right. Rather, they use a much more broader concept of what is making available. And I think that makes it problematic because um, what you get is the way the MDCG defines placing on the market is they basically narrow the scope to the point where you must have a transfer of a property right in order to qualify as placing on the market. Whereas if you look in the new guide, the concept of placing on the market uh, or sorry, the concept of making available as part of placing on the market is much broader because basically the blue guide says, well, you can also have an offer rather than an agreement. And you don't need a transfer of a property right. You can have a transfer of any, uh, uh, any right related to, to the product, which is uh, uh, kind of kind of a thing. Also, uh, let me just look in my notes here. So basically, uh, the blue guide says that basically it is making available that any offer for distribution, consumption, or use in the union that could result in actual supply. So that's much broader than a transfer of a property right. And actually, the blue guide also gives as, as, as examples of making available an invitation to purchase. An invitation to purchase is literally not a transfer of a property right. Yeah. Because the property right is only transferred when you accept the offer to purchase, for example. 
So, so in terms, in, in terms of, of, uh, of uh, because here we have really this fight against few regulations that are not aligned or the definitions or, or on, the, on, the, on those elements. So um, to be more, if I can say, on, on the consequence of all this, is there anything that the manufacturers or importers or, or whoever should consider if this is, as I'm always saying, if what the MDCG is saying, if this is not a mistake, if this is something that they really wanted to say or mention. So is there any consequence for those manufacturers or importers? Should they change something or are they blocked or are they, uh, is there an issue for them? Depends a bit, of course, on how uh, uh, on how binding you are going to see the interpretation of the MDCG in this document. Because as I've observed in my blog, it's basically the interpretation is not in line with horizontal guidance. It's also not in line with other guidance under other new legislative framework directives, like for example, the machinery directives. Machinery Directive has actually the most fantastic guidance you could almost think of. Uh, if you read the Blue Guide, but you also sell bigger capital equipment as a manufacturer, please read also the Machinery Directive uh, guidance under, uh, because it's, it's such a good piece of guidance that explains how to deal with, let's say, bigger composed capital equipment for the purpose of uh, CE marking. It explains it really, really well. If you look at the uh, the guidance under the low voltage and EMC directives, all of these guidances do not require the transfer of a property right. If you look in the old notice of the commission on placing on the market of medical devices, actually even the one from 2010, also doesn't require transfer of a property right. So the consequence for manufacturers is that if you are going to believe that the MDCG has now authoritatively explained the concept of placing on the market, which if you look at the disclaimer uh, on the first page of the, uh, of the uh, MDCG guidance, they have not because basically they're saying whatever we say in this guidance is uh, whatever because in the end the European Court of Justice has the final word. Anyway, the problem is if you require a, a property right, then you need to go and check you need to map your supply chain again, basically, and check whether the entities of which you think are an importer are actually an importer, because you would need to check if a property right has been transferred to your importer, because if not, they can't be an importer, right? So because then they will only become importer upon transfer of a property right, because the NDCG did not copy the element of offer. So in the case where there's an offer to transfer the property right, well, the NDCG, by the, by the, the way they define it in this, this NDCG guidance, not placing on the market yet. So that means that there's only placing on the market when a property right is transferred. So that means a lot of companies do tax structuring of their supply chain. So that means often that the manufacturer established outside of the uh, union will retain ownership rights to the device until it is delivered to the customer. Okay. And then you get a so-called chain of flash transfers of ownership that is going back, going through the supply chain. 
because in the end, of course, the customer needs to become owner of the device. So, so, then, on, so only the last person who is making these products available to the customer is really the one that is transferring the ownership, I can say, to the customer and is really the importer at the end. No, it's, it's more complex than that. It's always mind-blowing when you talk with these, uh, with these uh, accountant people that organize all of this because you get a series of transfers. So what happens then is that when the good arrives at the customer and the customer has met all their obligations, manufacturer transfers ownership to the importer, importer transfers ownership to the distributor, distributor transfers ownership to the next distributor, and then to the customer. That's basically how it works for tax purposes yeah. and also legally. So then, of course, if that is a delayed transaction, by the way that the NDCG defines placing on the market in this, uh, in this guidance, it means that you do not have placing on the market until this series of transfers happens. Okay. And uh, in terms weird. of... In, te in terms of, uh, of liability, so who is then liable for uh, any issue that will happen of the products while the product is not transferred at all? Well, you get, of course, you get the problem then that time-wise qualification is not synced anymore with the place of the product in the supply chain. Because this is how I think on a proper construction of, uh, of economic operator uh, concepts at the moment that uh, the device is made, made available in the union. So the importer makes an offer uh, to a party in the, in the union, for example, even uh, the blue guide even mentions advertising. So the importer starts advertising Hello, I have medical devices sitting in my warehouse that everybody in the union can buy. Who wants to buy them? That is actually by the words of the, uh, of the blue guide is placing on the market. This is also actually why there's provision in the NDR and in the NDD that says, if you are showing a device at an exposition that has not been CE marked yet, you have to be very clear that it's not placed on the market. That's yeah. why they are making that argument because advertising showing it can already constitute placing on the market. So I, I, su making... I, I suppose, I suppose as, as, as we said, that uh, all this create, can create a lot of confusion. Um, when, uh, I mean, uh, can we say that when everything goes well and there is no issue, nobody will really... Uh, look at yes. that. But when there is an issue on the market or an issue or a situation where there is some complaints, uh, then there can be a problem uh, with this oh, concept. Yes. And with deadlines, of course, eh? because that is because in the NDR and later on in the IFDR, we are in a complete minefield of deadlines. And what is the reality ah, yeah. of these deadlines? They apply. When the either device is on the either your product is placed on the market before the deadline yeah. or it's placed on the market after the deadline. And that has consequences. So if suddenly the NDCG says, oh, yeah, you thought that the scope of the concept of placing on the market was very wide. No, it's very narrow. Okay. You have no. placed a lot less devices on the market than you think. This is a big thing. It's not very considerate, I think. 
No, okay. I, I think I think it's it's clear now, and uh, I think yeah, this is a small world. Uh, if we are not really an expert, we don't understand the consequence. But here, as we said uh, at the end, there can be some consequences for the manufacturer and for everybody. Uh, okay. Do you think there will be some? If maybe they are listening to this episode, the MDCG, do you think there will be um, some changes or updates on all this? Or well, there's there's definitely, uh, of course. I mean, it's you. At this point, it's it's mainly me saying uh, uh, NBCG is wrong, and a lot of people telling me like ah, it's good that you say the NBCG is wrong because we think they're also wrong. Okay. We don't want to say it to them directly, so glad you wrote a blog about it. But yeah, of course, what the NBCG can do is they can just issue a new version of the uh, of of the guidance in which they correct this, bring it in line with horizontal guidance because. Hey, it says on the cover of the MDCG guidance that they can write whatever they want because it's not binding anyway. Exactly. So why not make a new guidance? So um, that would be a good thing to do, I think, if they really want to clarify this rather so, than create more confusion. Yeah. So, so there, this is not the only thing that was creating some no. confusion. We have the second topic, which is relabeling. Uh, of uh, or um, importer relabeling, which means that there is already an importer mentioned on the box of the products and um, should, I mean, what, what is what is what is mainly what is said exactly on the guidance about that? Yeah, so there's uh, there's there's uh, question seven that um, talks about uh, a scenario that's also discussed in the blue guide. Actually, what happens if a device is placed on the market, then exported? and then import it into the union again. What does the second importation mean? Is that placing on the market again? Because you already well, placed that on the market before, you maybe yeah. send that with parallel uh, selling because it goes maybe from distributor to distributor. It goes For to maybe, uh, Switzerland, let's say, because now Switzerland is not- yeah, uh, Or the UK. <laughs> or the UK, and then it comes back um, mm. the importer has that and, and in, a new importer or new distributor has that and they're asking themselves, am I the importer? Am I the distributor? What should I do? There is already an importer exactly. on the label. And what is this guidance saying about this kind of thing? Well, the guidance is, I think, creates a new interesting obligation that is not in Article 13 uh, or 14 of the NDR because basically the, 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 the answer to the question aims to help the re-importing entity decide whether it's an importer or a distributor. But it's doing it in a bit of a weird way that creates an additional obligation because the guidance says, well, what the importer should do or the supposed importer, they should verify if the device has been previously placed on the union market. Okay. So how are you going to verify that? It right. goes to maybe I the mean, manufacturer to ask, or yeah, but do you know who the manufacturer is? I mean, it's, apart, it's from, the, apart from the one that is mentioned on the box, uh, I don't know. No. Yeah. Well. Okay. So then you go to the end. Of, so you have to ask the manufacturer. This can be done by contacting the manufacturer. So what's going to happen? Often manufacturers don't even know if the device was placed on the market in the first place. Right. So yeah. because and this is also only in the in the scenario where there is already importer labeling on the device in accordance with Article 13, Section 3. Yeah. So then the question is, yeah, that would be weird because then 
you would get into the weird logical situation that apparently one party has already decided before I am placing the product on the market because otherwise I wouldn't be a porter, right? Yeah. Otherwise I would not put my details on it and I wouldn't play, put myself in uh, maybe in Udemed voluntarily as I am the importer of this device. How would the manufacturer know? What would the manufacturer know additionally to you being able to see on the label and maybe in Udemed if they put in things voluntarily? I mean, you would be asking the manufacturer for things that you already know. The only thing additionally that the manufacturer could tell you maybe is, I sold this to these guys in the union and I think they placed it on the market, but I don't know because, and that is, I think this is where again, the blue guide comes in. The blue guide mentions a lot of scenarios in which you actually don't have placing on the market. For example, because the importer decided, oh, I'm not going to sell this in the, e in the union in the first place. So it might be actually that the uh, importer decided, I'm going to label myself as an importer, but I'm not going to sell it in the union. I'm going to sell it to Switzerland. In yeah. that case, the importer did, did not label, it, label itself correctly as an importer. Yeah. But how would the manufacturer know what happened in the mind of the importer on that point? So it's, exactly. it's kind of a really weird self-defeating uh, problem because then the guidance says, well, if the importer has investigated the issue, then either they replace their details with those of the previous importers. So basically they need to look via the manufacturer, need to look into the head of the other importer. It would have been so much more logical if they would have said, contact the other importer, because those details are on the label as well. That's basically, that's, that's, that's what this question actually proceeds from. So I don't understand the thinking behind this. So they are using also the word void to void um, yeah. labels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah because, because, yeah, because they're, they're saying that if it turns out, so if the new importer comes to the conclusion that the old importer wasn't actually importer, then the old label is void. Okay. But that void is a legal term that basically means has no legal effect. But so uh, should but they do label, that? What, what means they, void means that they, they put their label up, up, the, up the other label or they remove it or they make a cross or what means well, void think, exactly? I, I, think, I think what the MDCG tries to say is the label is no longer compliant okay. or the label is no longer valid because okay. it's based on an incorrect assumption about placing on the market. So then you can't have a valid or a compliant label. But void is not something that a label can be, a contract can be void. For example, uh, if I put a gun to your head and I say, uh, sell, sell your computer to me, here, sign this contract, then the contract is void because, it, uh, because your will to transfer the laptop wasn't actually there. That's void. Or a check can be void because, uh, because uh, you signed it with somebody else's signature, for example. But a label can't be void. That's not possible. A label, a label is not a legal act. So. My lawyer buttons were a bit uh, pushed uh, by that uh, term void. I would rather just say it's, it's, it's non-compliant. And if, if there is an issue on the market, then is it the first importer who is liable or is it the second one who, or the second person who 
uh, reserve the products when they are coming back on the market? Or, I mean, is there a discussion well, that, about that? That, that? That depends, of course. Uh, if, if you find out that the device was not placed on the market in the first place, then the new importer has to go through the whole Article 13 loop of verification. Okay. So then this new importer needs to contact them and needs to contact the manufacturer and say, hey, uh, or, or check is the declaration of conformity there? Uh, 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 is it CE marked? Uh, do you have a UDI? Uh, all these things. So they need to, need to do that. So then basically the liability for Article 13 shifts from the previous importer who actually never had it. I think that's what they mean with void. Yeah. It goes to the new uh, importer. Um, just maybe one clarification in terms of uh, quickly about importer. The liability mm -hmm. that we talk about, is it the liability that just because they have to check all what is written in Article 13, so they have to make the verification of declaration of conformity, of the labeling, of the registration on new damage, of this, or is this also the liability in case there is an issue about the products on the market, like, for example, it kills someone, let's say. So is this liability ah, um, for question. that yeah, or that's, for that's... just what is written on Article 13? It's a different liability uh, because this is the liability just for observing the requirements in Article 13. Product liability, as you mentioned, that remains uh, regulated under the EU Product Liability Directive. And it's funny because that directive also uses a concept of importer because if the, if the producer doesn't use manufacturer, use producer. If the producer is not located in the union, then uh, you can sue the importer. Okay. But the definition of the concept of importer in the product liability directive is not the same as the importer in the uh, NDR because the product liability directive doesn't use the concept of placing on the market like new legislative framework legislation does. Okay. Which is explained in the blue guide, by the way. Exactly. Only, so we read it more often. Yeah, it, it's it's why it's important to to when we talk about liability to understand yeah. that Article 13 is really what you have really to follow and to uh, to show. So if you are the new importer and if you have the if we can say if you, this label is void because they have never been the, the importer, then you have to redo all the check that were that are mentioned Article 13 and execute that and prove to the authorities or to anybody that yes you have done it and you have a proof that everything is, is working there. Okay, right. so um, I think, I'm, I mean, I don't say we answered a lot of questions. We just tried to make a debate here on the MDCG guidance. But yeah, I think the, this raises maybe more things than uh, answers question. And I hope MDCG would maybe listen to that, maybe listen to our episode and, and uh, make, uh, make some, some right. updates about all this. I'm, um, not going to, I'm not going to make a bet with you because yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, not <laughs> I'm always, I would be always happy to see that. Yeah. After releasing yes. our, in our discussion, we say, oh, maybe we, we had to do some updates here, but uh, Eric, um, so within Axon lawyers, you can help companies that have maybe those questions and maybe yeah. are, are trying to look about um, the different regulation and what is really applicable and help, help, help them about that. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And also with the economic operator related contracts and uh, everything around uh, economic or importer, uh, economic uh, operators, we do a lot of that kind of work. 
Yeah. Right. Anyway, I will place all the information, the blue guide, the MDCG guidance, the, uh, the blog post of Eric on the show notes. So don't hesitate to go there and to look at all that. And uh, I hope, yeah, if you have more questions, don't hesitate as usual to send us the, the information at info at easymedicaldevice.com, info at easymedicaldevice.com. Okay, Eric, it was really a pleasure to have you here and I wish you a nice day. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.